Inspiring Podcast. So happy to have you here. Today's guest is quite a gem. She is a 2-4 manifester with emotional authority for those that are familiar with human design. Hopefully, if you've been listening to this podcast, you're a little bit familiar, at least now. And I met Megan when Stephanie and I first opened Tricor and needed some more coaches. So she ended up becoming one of our coaches. I just remember she had a really cool resume. It had a moon on it. And I was like, she's hired. <laughs> um, you know, and we kind of talk about that a little bit in the podcast, how she's got this really unique skill of being amazing at writing resumes. So if you need help writing a resume, she's your girl. But also she's just a ball of fire, ball of energy. Um, manifestors are unique, I would say, in the way they operate on urges. They get these urges to go do this thing and they sometimes don't put much thought into it when they are really following those urges. It's just like this creative energy that comes through you that wants to go do the thing, whatever it is. And I just really admire her for following her intuition and like taking advantage of those urges because they really are a gift and manifestors aren't a huge amount of the population. So they're really meant to rally energy, to be leaders. And, you know, it's just, it's cool to get her perspective. I do think Megan is a great for, for any manifester who is listening out there, I just think she's going to be hugely expansive because she's really figured out how to make it work and how even though there's been ups and downs and it's been challenging, she's really starting to come into her energy and come into her own. So I think this will be inspirational. She's quick, she's witty, she's charming, and um, she really just has this contagious energy. So we talk a lot about her journey in the restaurant industry and what it was like to go from never being a professional cook to being a full-on professional cook in a nice restaurant in literally a, a year's time. And just what that did for her be, being a non-sacral being. Manifestors are energy beings, but they are they don't have a defined sacral. So that does mean that they need more rest and they kind of work in spurts. So a 12-hour shift on a line is not necessarily the best option if you're truly trying to live your design as a manifester and honor your energy. So she talks with about what that was like and how she could really feel how she was different than everybody else. So really interesting. Also, just some of her relationship stuff. Her and her husband are adorable together. Their, their story is precious. So anybody who's kind of like feeling like they're ready to give up on love, this is going to be expansive for you. And you really just have to be ready and open for the universe to send that shit on in. So she was such a joy to interview just to hang out with. And I hope you guys love her as much as I do. And if you don't, you know, that's okay too. I'm really just here to bring different perspectives to this podcast scene and share everybody's journey of self-discovery, which is really what it's all about. So hopefully you get some nuggets from this and enjoy. What's been going on in your life lately? <laughs> um, well, today I cleaned my whole house so that you would think I was a really together person. <laughs> I do think you're together. Thank you. My house is normally not together, but um, I quit my job three weeks ago. Like a fucking typical manifester. Like a, yep, just like, <laughs> hey, bye. And then I was like, my new full-time job will be cleaning and organizing my house and my life, which is 
very ambitious because I actually hate cleaning and I hate organizing. Yeah. So what are you planning on doing with that? I'm a lot of Netflix and Hulu <laughs> and in between rage cleaning. So basically I watch as much TV as I do productivity right I, now. That seems like a really good balance. It's a great balance. Honest. It's a great balance. It's weird to talk to people about it and be like, well, I just, I don't actually have time to hang out with you. I'm really busy. And, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I did actually just finish a season of something. So I should maybe not tell people about all my TV, but that's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. Everything's, Everything's really good. Well, it's much better. What prompted you to quit your job? So a year ago, Okay, so you know I'm a manifester. I'm a manifester. I don't even know that I knew what that meant like six months ago. But, but it's like you knew it in your being. Yes. Right? Yes. And we'll because, get to that, but. <laughs> because my resume is atrocious and equally impressive. It is like a laundry list of careers that make zero sense together. Like yeah. I've been a social worker and I talked to teenagers about sex and drugs and I taught gymnastics. That's actually how I got the social working job, which doesn't make any sense. And I worked with you teaching functional fitness, which I actually don't even really like fitness apart from yoga. I'm a yoga teacher. Like I, so I've done all kinds of things that make no sense together. But what happens is I'm just like, I think this would bring me joy. And then like, I get the job despite this like awful resume. Because and, you're a manifester. Right. <laughs> because apparently I'm a manifester. So I've always loved to cook mostly because I used to be a big old stoner and I would just get super high and make food for myself. And I was like, this is amazing. Yes. And so then I was like, maybe you should do what you love and learn to cook and like what if you cook professionally and like what would that look like and so like I googled like being a woman in a kitchen because like really I was just concerned about like sexual harassment and like stress in that direction and like my google results were very unhelpful and then I was just like we got this I'm gonna be fine like I'm gonna trust my intuition and I'll do it and so I got a job as a prep cook at a fast casual restaurant and that was like okay in the beginning and like really exciting and shitty and I cut my hand a bunch of times and I got moved up to the line and that was really fun and like it was awful because like there was this lull of the day where like you could predict the day it was everyone said good morning and then like everyone worked really fast to get ready for the lunch rush and then everyone did the lunch rush and like about lunch rush everyone just started being really mean to each other because like the stress mm -hmm. had set in and so like being able to kind of predict that flow of like energy and emotion started to really like fuck with me because I was just like Whoa. oh no it's 10 35 like oh everyone's <laughs> gonna be rude soon and then they were and then that was stressful and then like because you could feel it. Yeah. You could you, feel that coming in. You could. And this place was very cool in a way that, like, they hired a lot of, like, ex-cons and rehabilitated drug addicts. And from, like, a political perspective, I'm, like, fully on board with that. From, like, a single white educated female perspective, I was like, okay. Like, you don't know how to spell broccoli. You're just writing green stuff on the labels. And, like, that doesn't feel like a competent coworker. And, like, maybe we should work on this. And they would talk about, like, their old meth habits, which, again, like... I don't mind that you have a past. I also have a past, but like, I don't really want to talk about meth at work. That's <laughs> stressful to me. And I spent, it, it, also it's 8.30 in the morning. So like we got to meth really quickly and like, <laughs> I'm just starting to just feel. jumping right into meth. Yeah. <laughs> meth and coffee. As we are in this podcast. So <laughs> hope you're ready. Um, so. Buckle in. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is not the jam. Like I got to find like the next spot. And so. I left there and I got a job at like the next kitchen, which is like a more noted like place in the community and like more of a one-off and it was great, but it meant that I had to like change my schedule a little bit and spend more time away from home um, because of the original place I was working like six to two, which was very you know easy. So the next job was like fine and people were a little more together. There was definitely less like drug talk until like, I don't know, like 
day 82 where like someone came in on heroin and like asked to borrow my knife and like fell asleep with said knife like while oh. chopping green onions okay <laughs> exactly and i was like this is not where i belong well, especially with um the husband that you have i'm surprised he right <laughs> my, uh, was okay with that my husband works in risk management he's a very <laughs> loving and protective human being and so being like oh like this guy got fired today for being on heroin he's like Oh, and he always loves to talk about his guns. Like, you've got an active shooter situation. And I was like, oh, my, like, I cannot deal with this. And, like, no amount of money is worth it, let alone this, like, twelve fifty an hour that I am making for this life. But, like, you know, goals. I was like, okay, like, but I'm educated and I'm confident. And, like, I could rise in this industry. So then I hopped to the next position, which was, like, my dream job. It was, like... A fully from scratch kitchen they were making everything in house like literally their meats like they were getting whole cows which is a whole other scarring situation to like see a whole cow come in and watch that turn into like steaks and burgers and stuff yeah uh someone someone took a pig hoof and like scratched my shoulder with it one day and i was like this is not okay oh god yes far traumatic but also like really beautiful in the way of food and so everything was like the dream there and i was like this is where you learn like this is how you get to be a chef like so you become a prodigy like and i helped open the restaurant i was like i'm gonna be an og from day one and like this is the dream and in so many ways it was like was the dream because like i was learning and i was growing and i was competent and people believed in me and i believed in myself and blah 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 but and also, like, I got here in a year. Like, that's amazing. That's, amazing, that's yeah. some manifester vibes, right? It like, totally other, is. other people are like, how do we get hired there? And I'm like, oh, you can't. But, like, I did. And this is so, how did I get here? And, like, there's like gratitude and there's pride and there's all these things, but also, like, so intense. Like, mm-hmm. being a woman in a kitchen, I was afraid of, like, like, the like sexual aspect of it and that was never an issue for me very fortunately but what was is just like such intense like masculine energy and like the way that they show pride and disdain and everything is just through like talking shit it's all jokes and it's passive aggressiveness and it's talking shit and like and what I realized towards the end of this is that like I very much grew up in a family that was that way like like yes I knew that like I was loved but there was so much sarcasm all the time and like my sister is 12 years older and so I was like this little baby tender six-year-old and everyone was like talking shit and making jokes and I would cry because like it's not funny like when an 18 year old makes fun of you when you're six like that shit no it's not funny but they were like you need to toughen up like you need to get a sense of humor oh my gosh isn't it interesting how we recreate our childhood bullshit everywhere this is not only in romantic relationships that it happens it's fucking everywhere you go yes because my romantic relationship is very functional so yeah. i went and sought dysfunction somewhere else i was like you someone to pay me <laughs> mediocre money to to create trauma to recreate my trauma and so it really was like that and like my boss was like very like so like my dad died and like i again have a very functional relationship with my husband but like i don't have like a, a positive male you know figure and i think all through my life like my dad was busy working and then he was gone and um so there were like these abandonment issues a little bit and just this like need of like father approval and then my boss is this like slightly older very like manly rugged dude who's like super kind but also like super you don't want to piss him off and you don't want to disappoint him and he's quick to be like oh you just wasted pumpkin seeds you know how much that costs a pound and you're like oh my god i'll give you the six dollars i'm so sorry and such dad vibes it was such dad vibes (laughs) so like my whole family life as a child was now created here and i was like i just want to be great and they're like you will be great but it'll take time and i'm like i just want to be great and like from i worked there I guess like four and a half months and um I had dealt with in the past like anxiety and depression but that had long been pretty dormant like life had been solid I was okay 
And my anxiety at this job just went through the roof. Like I would cry. So I worked noon to midnight and I would wake up at like nine and just cry for like an hour and a half before going to work. Cause I was just like dreading it so much because I knew like I knew that XYZ tasks had to be completed today and I knew that somewhere in there it was going to be too stressful or it was going to be too much or I was going to get yelled at for being too slow or something was going to happen and like then I would spend 12 hours in that environment and like I loved the people that I worked with even though like there were genuine moments of like pure joy and that was I think like what kept me going back but the anxiety and the sheer panic and just like sadness like started to just overtake everything to where I was like a shell of myself. Like I was, I became like really obsessed with time and like there's never enough time. Like if I work 12 hours a day, then there's only 12 other hours left and I have to sleep for X amount of those. And how do I exercise and how do I have sex and how do I make food? And like, and like I was like analyzing everything. I literally had a notebook page of like how many hours were in a week and like how many hours I was spending at work and then like what hours that left and like how could I walk the dog? And like I went zero to neurotic in four months, like hard. Oh my gosh. Well, that actually makes sense with your design. (laughs) I mean. I'm glad it makes sense to you. Yes. It made zero sense at the time and I was not calling anyone or telling anyone about it. So it felt like very isolating and very like crazy because I was just having so much happening internally and like no way to explain it. And everybody at work was just like, oh, like, it's cute that you're adjusting to these 12-hour shifts. We've all worked 17-hour shifts before, and we still survived. So I don't know why it's such a struggle for you, you yeah. poor little girl. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah. You actually have, I mean, from a human design perspective, mm-hmm. you have a gate that we, my teacher often calls fear of running out of time. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I actually have the same thing. So it's kind of like... um you're like you exactly like you described you're kind of like the white rabbit you're like we have to go we have to go you're like always worried that you're not going to have enough time in life but the positive side of that is that you're really good at sensing timing intuitively okay so it's kind of like you know the right time to do things like if you were like in a business you'd be like okay this is the time we want to strike or this is the time we want to market this right you know it's it's not meant to be used internally it's meant to be used externally so that's a lot of the things in the chart it's like we end up turning them around on ourselves and it's meant to be for the collective and to use in a way that will help the collective yes. move forward we're but like then, weaponizing yes. the, the very tools that could help us heal people exactly. or be good to others so yes. oftentimes even just having that awareness around it and looking, it's like oh yeah i have a tendency to be this way but this is when this is the lower expression of this right. energy what's the higher expression of this energy turn it back around just remind yourself you know it's kind of just like inner parent yourself <laughs> I'm like going back and just like loving on that person that was literally laying in this very room. Just like, oh my God, there's only four more hours. Like, what are we going to do? Yes. So rest easy. It's. That's amazing. Okay. (laughs) Yep. Good. We're all learning things. Yep. yep. So um, after a little while of that, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, it's not healthy. It's not okay. Like I'm literally insane. I don't see anyone that I care about. Um, and this doesn't seem right, but I think, um, you're looking for like again i i researched manifestors and this was like very like you're looking for approval for the things that you know and i think that we do that no matter who we are we kind of seek that approval um but like i'm like looking for approval i'm like texting my best friend and my husband like this is what's happening like i'm crying in the bathroom like tell me that i'm being like someone validate me and um so finally it was just like i don't need their permission to like quit like i have to get out of here because like 
how I'm feeling, like this internal battle every single day, like is not what life is about. And if like, if I were to persevere, whatever that looks like, it's like, well, number one, like head chefs work way more hours than I was working even as that, right? Yeah. And then like two, like this isn't the dream. Like there might be a dream in here somewhere, but like working 70 plus hours to have my name on a menu and have people write mediocre reviews about the food I'm spending my life making, like yeah. that's not the dream. And so like, and at the same time, achieving that dream would mean sacrificing my relationship. And like my relationship is one of the foundations of like who I am. It's very important to me. It's very functional. It came later in life. Like I was 27 when like love was like, okay, you can have this. We'll let you be happy. And so it was like, okay, well, wait, I'm not going to now at 31 just be like, fuck it. Who needs this? I would rather go insane. Yes. Well, so what is the dream then? I have no idea. <laughs> so the the dream. Do you hear that? You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all figured out. <laughs> I have I. So I have realized because again I said like I had struggled with anxiety and depression, and it came to me this week that like I slide into depression when I lose trust. Like if I trust that it will get figured out and that the dream will you know m- that one foot in front of the other will help create the dream, I'm okay. Yes. And I am working towards said dream, even when I have no idea what that is. Yes. If I start to fear, if I start to compare, if I start to over plan, I am just instantly depressed, therefore immobile, therefore even more Netflix. And I'm way further from the dream. Yes. So. Well, and that's inherently a, a feminine energy. And I would, are, do you identify as a feminine person? Yes. Because I have some women do have a masculine essence. So. I've been told that I have very masculine energy, but I think that is when I'm operating from like trying to just not be who I am. Okay. When I'm trying to run and build walls and control, I think I fall very masculine. Yes. So I think in my best life, I am very feminine. Yeah. Because when you think about your perfect day, does it, does it involve like you going places and being respected? Like, like if you think of your friends and your family, do you want them to respect you or do you want them to love you and like cherish you? Love me. Then you're feminine. That's for all, for anybody who's listening wants to know if your essence is masculine or feminine. Cause you could be a woman and be a very quote unquote, girly feminine woman and still have a masculine essence yeah um you just ask yourself would i rather be respected or cherished and to me like you get you both. have to yeah like you love is all about respect yes. and like you cannot fully love someone and treat them like trash but like but it's the way that you get there yeah so i get, to get there by being just like oh yes oh did you see megan came today <laughs> like that's what i want you to be like joyous yeah. about it and also respect me because i'm fabulous but like i don't yeah. i don't need one yeah and so feminine like that. yes and feminine energy needs to kind of it needs to be the water yeah so if you're trying to be the oak tree then yes. you're not going to feel safe in your feminine water and what women do or feminine essence people do when they're not feeling that security and that safety is they spin they yes. spin out so it's almost like sometimes you just need to remind yourself yo like john's a masculine energy up in here he's got this shit right i can just be be the water right and he's got that oak tree down and the same at work it was like i worked with slowly there were like a couple females that worked there and slowly they all left and so it was literally like basically just me and my one of my favorite coworkers would always be like he picked on me all the time and then he'd be like you're a really angry person and i'm like i'm not an angry person like you're a triggering person and like (laughs) 
But I like felt, I'm in my not self, okay? Right. But I felt like I had to bring out my masculine energy just to hang with them because when I was like gooey, you know, I definitely cried visibly at work multiple times and they made fun of me for it. They let me cry and they were cool while it was happening. But then afterwards they'd be like, oh, it's going to get busy tonight. She's going to be crying like a baby. And I'm like, okay, put on your armor. Like you got to be a real mm-hmm. strong, tough guy. And it's like, but I don't. And like my job there was to bring that like flow mm-hmm. and that whatever, but when you feel different, you feel like you need to adapt instead of be. And I think that I was a better service to everyone by being my ooey, gooey, flowy self. However, that took so much courage and vulnerability that there were so many days where it just felt easier to be tough. And so then I would make the comments and this oddly enough happened in my childhood where you're like, okay, I need to adapt and this is the behavior. But because that's not my genuine nature, when I say really snarky things, people think I'm a horrible person. It comes out wrong. It doesn't land right. And people are just like, ooh. And you're like, you've been rude all day. And I made one comment and now I'm the horrible person. So that's also a manifester thing because (laughs) because manifestors have this really powerful aura and energy and people can feel it without you even saying anything and what happens is you're meant to be yourself we all are but manifestors have this like it's almost i guess it's called a repelling aura i just don't like that word but what it does is it's almost like a filter it'll filter out people that come to you and if they're not basically going to be of service to you in some way or um if they're if they're just if their energy doesn't mesh with yours your aura is going to repel them and they can feel it so it's almost like they're going to reject you before you can reject them and then the manifester gets into this people-pleasing mentality because you're afraid you're going to be rejected yes because people automatically reject you without even knowing you because of your aura and it is that's a really (laughs) stressful situation especially when you have to be in close proximity with someone oh yeah that's what I'm saying. That because you're like we have to be side by side though, and you've already decided that you hate me, and I also hate you. But like, also, I want to make you love me because like this is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot. So that's why I mean, it's respecting that you are not a sacral being. You are an energy being. You you make energy, but you are not sacral, so you don't have sustainable energy. You work in spurts. Yes. Right. So you're not meant to work twelve hour shifts. No. <laughs> You're meant to have a lifestyle that allows you and supports you to work in those spurts. Yes, which has been very game-changing. So that was the thing that would happen. And I told you this before, like, everyone would make fun of me at work. My hair was frazzled by the end of the day. And, like, I just I just couldn't hang at that 12th hour. And everybody else was, like, cracking jokes and, like, oh, yeah, I'll wipe down the wall. And I'm, like, no one asked me to do anything else. It is 11 p.m. and I need to go home. And everyone's, like, dude, what's wrong with her? And so it's been great to learn about manifesting and be like, that's not my jam. And since I quit my job, so I made this big, long, like, Instagram, Facebook post about it that was just like, here's what happened. Like, I quit my job and I didn't quit because I'm a quitter. I quit because, like, it forced my priorities right in front of my face and made me choose what was most important. And, like, that's delightful. But because of that, I had a couple people reach out to me like, oh, hey. Of course they did. (laughs) Oh, hey, do you want to work for me? (gasps) Oh, hey, do you want to work for me? And, like the old school thinking of like get a job have a job you know like I'm like oh yeah opportunity and money and like of course I want to do those things and it's been so amazing having been like I learned this thing about myself and so someone's explaining to me like oh you could work for my office job and it's soft sales and it's this and I I said I was okay with part-time but really I want 40 hours a week and I'm just looking at my notes I'm taking during this phone call like this looks horrible yeah no thank you right but like part of me feels like this need to say yes because I'm like well you're a good person and like you know I know that it's not healthy for me to spend 40 hours a week in the house and (laughs) and then I'm like no 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 okay no I can't do it and then this 
other thing is like, you could come and it could be part-time. And I'm like, well, that's in Tempe. Why would I drive 35 minutes for a part-time gig? But I want to say yes, but like I have to say no. And so it's been so interesting to like really stick to those values versus yes, yes, I guess people-pleasing, which if you asked me if I was a people-pleaser, I would say no, but in action, apparently I am. Yep, you are. And that's just the conditioned manifester, right? Yeah. And it really seems like you're starting to come into your true self and living your design and i mean people start doing this whether they know about human design or not right it's it's the hero's journey it's this life journey that we're all on but once you start really listening to your intuition and respecting yourself and i have a feeling that this was a huge lesson for you in because you do have this channel that's all about empowering the self and it's like you're you're meant to teach people how to empower themselves and that's really powerful because it's in your moon. And so it's what drives you. That's bananas. And so that was this other thing about working at this job was everybody else that worked there that had the same essential role that I had, had literally run their own kitchens before. They had been straight up chefs in other places with like the full responsibility. And now we were all equal. And I had like less than a year. I mean, I had lied about one year in college on my resume because why not? <laughs> and um, then I had this like essential six months. And so I kind of went in there, like, as the student, which, like, in yoga, we talk about that. Like, you should always be learning as the child, as the student, right? Like, you should never – don't let your ego get in the way. Like, you should always be ready to learn. But I think I took that so literally that I stopped listening to my intuition at all. I literally forgot that I could cook, and I just would get there, and it was, like, I was stupid. Mm. And so towards the end of this whole thing, like, one of my jobs was to make these, like, bacon-wrapped chorizo-stuffed dates. Yum. They're so good. (laughs) However – it's a ton of work, right? It's a multi-step process. You got to like clean and pit the dates. Step one, a bunch of dates. Step two, you got to wrap or you got to stuff them with chorizo. Step three, you got to wrap them in bacon. Step four, you have to pre-cook them. Step five, you put them in a pan. Step six, you actually cook them when it's like someone buys them. So three to a plate, it's like 10 bucks. Like this is a very like, so one day I do, I get all these dates done. I put this huge tray in the oven right at the start of service, which like you shouldn't be doing things right at the start of service anyways, because it's about to get busy. Like you're going to forget. I set a timer on my Apple Watch. I got this. I open the oven. I look at them. They're good. But I asked the sous chef, I'm like, yo, do these look good or should I like leave them in another minute? He's like, give them like three minutes. And I had this moment of very real intuition that was like, take them out, take them out. But I was like, shut up self. Sous chef knows best. Put them back in. Swear that I set a timer on my Apple Watch. Swear that I did. 30 minutes later, <gasps> I get an order of dates and I open the oven to put in dates and I'm like, what's in the oven? And it is a tray of like, I kid you not, 150 no. dates. That's 50 orders. Like no. that is stupid money. That is, st- oh my, I can't even explain to you. It was the worst night and talk about reverting back to your childhood. So like I showed the sous chef who obviously is going to claim no responsibility for this thing, not even though, you know, he told me he was involved in this trip, no responsibility. He's like, just put them in the, just put them in the walk and we'll deal with it later. And then I'm like breaking down and he's like, look, doesn't do you any good. Like we'll deal with it later, but like, don't get in a bad mood now. We don't need it. So I can feel your anxiety now about it. So bad. So then later I'm like, dude, when do I tell chef? Like, what do we do? And he's like, wait till the very end of the night. And I'm like, everyone's always mad at the end of the night anyways. And he's like, well, that's fine. So then later towards like, it's not quite the end of the night, but it's getting close. I end up alone with like chef we're like plating a dessert and he's like what are we gonna eat tonight and I'm like well funny story um I so I ruined 150 dates 
and we can't sell them to the public because they look awful, but, like, you could eat them. <laughs> and he's like, what? Oh, no. And, like, literally just walks away without saying anything. I'm like, okay, well, that could have been worse. And then, like, 20 minutes later, he's like, a whole tray of dates? And I'm like, uh-huh, I know. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. I'll buy all the dates. Um, I don't, I, uh, I'm very upset about it also. So, oh and like, I got yelled at like three different times, but it was like being a teenager. Like when you do something wrong, you know, like the school calls home or something and you're just like, oh my God, what's dad going to say? How much, like, I wish he'd just punished me already. And like, it was the worst, but it was also this moment of like, I should have just fucking listened to myself. Yeah. Like I knew it was time to take out those stupid dates and the dates became a thing for, we, we didn't throw them away. We just left them in the walk-in and it was like this sad, like <laughs> talisman of like regret. And like, eventually I put some in a bread pudding for like a staff meal. They still didn't get thrown away. Like everybody oh. was talking about these dates and like, it was so embarrassing, but it was also so I mean, it was incredibly humbling to just be like, yeah, I messed up. Like, give me the punishment. Like, whatever. And he ended up being pretty cool about it and was like, don't do it again. Like, I don't know how you did this, but clearly you've made yourself feel pretty bad and, like, that's enough. Yeah. But, like, if I had just listened to myself and been like, screw you, buddy. I'm taking these out. Could have avoided the whole thing. Yep. And the, like, weeks of embarrassment that followed. But, like, didn't listen to myself. Yeah. Because I just wanted to, what, like, assume that everybody knows better than I do. And, like... I think that's like this huge disservice that we do ourselves no matter where we are in our journey it's like assuming that somebody knows better than we do when like we know like our intuition is there for a reason mm-hmm. and how often are we just like no it's fine and sometimes it comes in the form of a whisper so it's hard to listen to because it's like a Psst, don't do that and so you're like ah, like your your mind is a lot louder than Ugh. the whisper of intuition. Maybe I'll change that though. Like <laughs> right. I don't know how much work I have to do to change that, but I would like to shut my mind down and be quieter and listen to my intuition because it could have saved me so much trouble. Well, I feel like this experience this isn't this is like another way we learn through struggle, we learn through pain. This experience was so incredibly painful for you so that painful. you're not going to do you're gonna think about those fucking dates yes. every time you want to override your intuition with your mind. Yes, 100%. And, like, as we should, because, like, we are valid. And, like, it doesn't always have to be the most experienced. And I think that's been a big struggle for me because of the manifestor energy and because of – so because of the laundry list of resume, it's, Mm -hmm. like, I'm great at a lot of things and I have a lot of, like, life experience. But also, like, my husband has got, like, three jobs on his resume. It's a very impressive resume. Like, Mm -hmm. he's able to go somewhere with that. So, like, I feel like a less valuable person than he is – And, like, so that's really hard, right? This guy that told me to keep the dates in, he's worked in kitchens since he was 15. He's Mm. 40. Like, what the fuck do I know? But, like, I know a lot. And so it's how do we, like, value ourselves and, like, quit letting that self-worth issue become the main issue? Right. Well, that's, like, a societal thing because it's this whole 10,000 hours. Like, you have to put the time in and work super hard to... Some people are just naturally really good at shit. And you're actually one of those people because that's what the energy of the two is. So for those that know human design, Megan's a two four and the two is this natural. So basically you're just good at certain things and you you, you don't even necessarily know how to teach people. I'm a two four as well. So it's like yeah. some things that I do, if I try to teach people, I'm like, I I don't, I don't know. And it's almost like frustrating. It is. It you're is. like, why are you not getting this? Yes. Like, oh, because 
I just know it and you don't. Like, it's just inherent. So yeah. that's why you were able to go in one year when it takes some people, like, years and years to learn. It's just your energy is quick. It's yeah. fast energy. So, it, like, you, I mean, you don't know a whole lot of human design. You know kind of the basics. So I think it's interesting to hear from somebody like you. But how would you describe being a manifester, which I know is something that is, like, it's, like, hard to describe your natural being because you don't know anything different. But, like, like what goes on in your head? I feel like I keep thinking of, like, the Spider-Man quote that's, like, great power comes great responsibility (laughs) because it feels like that it's like it's like yeah like I'm just like welding things and like I don't know how or why Mm -hmm. and like but I think uh the things that I have like learned about the manifestor vibes is that like you're almost conditioned out of what you are in your essence and like that is so sad and I think that has been the struggle of like the last decade it's just really owning that like I did so I went to school for fashion design which has nothing to do with anything I've done since (laughs) that but um that was like a huge thing of like for our thesis we had to write this paper and build this like fashion collection and I did some really like interpretive funky stuff and one of the main comments from the judges was like you need to know the rules before you break the rules and that comes up in my life all the time Mm. I would rather just break the rules like I want to ingest just enough to know what I'm doing show me how to work the sewing machine and like I'm gonna do my own thing I don't want to know all the right ways and then like I just want to do it I don't need to like learn it and so it's so interesting but then it's also really hard to like establish that credibility because so my husband with his three jobs like I'm a I'm so great at making resumes because I've had to make so many and it's just one of those things I'm naturally great at I am a money machine at resumes and it's so hard to establish credibility so the only people who let me touch their resumes are my best friend my husband because they just know and they just see it and then they're just in awe of like they send me literal shit like I would be mortified for them to submit that and I send them back like a beautiful story (laughs) and they're like what and I'm like this just makes sense like this is just how it should look but like also I am currently out of work like I just told you that I watch Hulu and clean the house like that's my full-time job yeah so like why do you trust me to make your resume but also I'm gonna make you a better resume than anyone in town but you are good at directing people so it's kind of it's the leadership energy that's like it's kind of like that's almost a societal belief as well, is that you have to trust somebody that is good at the thing you're trying to do. Right. But some people are actually just good at teaching you how to do it or directing you in the direction, right? Yeah. So you could be, like, the fucking best resume maker in the world and not have a job. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter. No. Because that's just what, that's part of your energy is just directing people and having this, like, influential energy over yeah. people. So, But it's, like, been really bananas because there's, like, also just this, like, inherent ignorance about it. Like, we went to this acupuncturist, my husband and I, and he would always be like, whatever she's got, man, if you could just bottle that, you'd make a million dollars. And I was like, so at the time, my self-worth was like super low. And so hearing that was like so stressful and conflicting. And like my husband saw it and this guy saw it. And I was just like, what am I missing? Like, I don't, I'm, I don't know how to make any money. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And slowly I'm starting to like get it. But then at the same time in this world where we are kind of conditioned to like market this and do that. And it's like, well, like, I don't know how to sell my essence. Like, I don't know what that gift is yet. And as I'm, like, getting there, like, I really love to write. And even, like, Instagram makes me no money and I waste more time on there than I spend productively. But, like, when I write, it it makes it makes an impact. And I'll think it doesn't. And I'll meet – I'll see people in real life that are, like, 
oh my gosh, your Instagram post or like, oh my gosh, like the way you talk about your relationship really inspires me. And I'm just like, oh wow, like people are listening and I'm not trying. I just like get these urges to like share something and that's what resonates. Yep. And so now it's trying to like follow the white rabbit into that hole and figure out like what's next with that. You know? Right. Well, I've always thought that about you too. And so it's, it's, it's the, especially with this two energy, it's the thing that you are like, why the fuck would I be paid for that? That's the thing you're supposed to be doing. And obviously if it brings you joy and lights you up and blah, blah, blah. So that makes me really happy to hear that you're starting to learn that because it's almost like if you have this thought of like, well, how how am I going to make money doing that? Like I waste time doing that. That's actually the thing you're supposed to do. And if you think about it, that's not that outlandish to think you can make money on Instagram. Tons (laughs) of people are quote unquote professional influencers. It just feels like they're trying so hard though. You wouldn't have to try though. And that's my thing is like, I don't want to try and I don't want to look cute. I write my best things on like a double chin selfie yeah like, that's my jam like i try to be hot we'll travel and i'll be like john take 40 photos of me looking cute on the street corner and they'll hand me my phone back and i'm like i look like a rhino in every one of these and it's like that famous like meme of like well that's just what you look like and you're like we're not speaking well, no, you're just you're just yourself you have to be true to yourself yeah. and if you're trying but to it fake looks it like other people are being themselves and they're like so hot being it and i know that they're taking so they're much totally time not. yeah they're totally faking it but I that's mean, like the other like and i love like your very instagram transparent like i just i love instagram in that way like let's all just be transparent and be like yeah. yo here's what i look like and here's what i do on a thursday night not like here's me in borrowed clothes and a private jet I rented just for this photo shoot. Like, what right. are you doing? It, like, hurts me not to be myself on Instagram. Yes. And even, like, I know I have a lot of professional pictures on there, but, like, I just, like, uh, I I don't want people to think that's the that's me. Right. So I'm like, all right, hop on my story. You're going to see me after a workout. Right. Like, no makeup. I don't, you know, that's just, it's not, the, the curated look is not no. me. I get that Instagram's a visual platform, so it, some of it, like, perhaps should be pretty but i also think we could argue that even you could right. have like the ugliest instagram and write good content and have followers and right. nobody would give a shit yeah. so basically that's just a lesson and do what feels good for you yeah. do, do what, what you feels want good. Yeah. and then i think like finding the things that like challenge you so because i love to write i took a writing course a couple of years ago because i was like yo i know i love to write i wonder if i'm any good at it and so i took this intro to writing And it was right after my dad died and I ended up writing this essay about my dad, which was like, I've literally never cried so much on my computer, but it was the best thing that happened. There was a competition at the local community college that was like actually pretty like a big deal, I guess. And so I threw my essay about my dad into this competition and I won first place. Oh my gosh. People in my class were fucking pissed. Like they were supportive and sweet, but like a couple people had taken this intro to creative writing class like three times and entered into the contest every time and not placed. You're such a manifester. And I just, <laughs> I just like threw myself in there in one first place. And like, and it is not like I wrote an essay about my dog, who is great, but like I poured my whole life, right? Like this, this was like, this was like me prolificizing and like saving the last few moments with my dad so like this is a beautiful thing and like went on to my whole family and like is great but it was like it that very much okay yeah like oops I tried this and now I was great at it so I've always known that like I wanted to write a book and after I sent out this essay I sent it to my family and my family sent it to my extended family and I have this second aunt or someone 
who's like in the entertainment industry and she read the essay and she was like oh my god I didn't know you're so talented like we need to get this on Clint it was about Gran Torino the movie and so she's like we need to get this on Clint Eastwood's desk and I'm like holy hell what the what she's like you get your shoes ready girl you're gonna be on Ellen and she's telling me all these things and I'm like oh my gosh like yes this is my destiny so she's like write me up a treatment which is like what like if your movie was gonna be like in a few paragraphs like what would your movie be about and so I don't know what that is so I google it and I send her like the roughest rough draft and she just never responds and I'm like broken like what what happened so finally like again I am full of abandonment issues and being happily married means you don't often have to like dive into those abandonment issues but like here we are here we are so I text her and I'm like hey y'all like what happened with that was it not good she's like no it was it was way too long uh, if you're gonna say things about people, you need to be super nice and compassionate. Cause like my dad's wife was not a nice person and I wasn't super nice about that. But like, also there are villains in every story and that's fine. Yeah. Um, and so I was just like, well, that's not the vibe. Like speaking my truth does not mean me being super candy coated about everything. And like, you are clearly not the gateway and like, whatever. So like, I let that dream kind of like fizzle for a while. And now we've arrived back to like me being like, what should I do? And um, I, like, checked out the community college again, and they do a, like, how to write your novel class. And then the next semester, they – it's literally a writing your novel class. And so I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, it doesn't start till September, but, like, this is the plan. Like, I'm going to write the novel, and I'm going to get the whole book made, and then I'll just sell it to someone, and, like, they can turn it into a movie. But, like, it's honoring the idea that, like, I can just, like, dream up things and create them, but also, like, I never would have wrote that essay without the class. I had to be pushed, right, because, like – Maybe this, maybe you'll be able to tell me more about it, but like I'm down to try things, but it's also really easy to quit when it gets hard because like I expect to just be great at everything all the time (laughs) and like you need help and you need tools and you need resources. And so I like to put myself in uncomfortable situations that force me to grow Mm -hmm. and like force me to evolve and then see what happens there. Yeah. So that's the new future goal. Well, I'm... I'm here for it. Truth, <laughs> truly, I'm here for it. With all the energy that you have in your chart, I mean, I feel like you you have to tell stories. Um, so I'm here for it. Yeah. So that's <laughs> like, support. and that's like just making a story into it, I think like makes us feel less alone. Like mm-hmm. when I was in college, I had like crazy, insane depression and it feels so isolating to feel shitty. And then I like Googled it one day. I was writing a paper and I Googled it. And, like, read about the millions of people worldwide that, like, suffer from depression. And it felt like this hug. Like, the empath in me was, like, really sad that all these other people are also feeling sad. But, like, knowing that you're not alone. Like, knowing that, like, we have these experiences and, like, everybody feels bad or has hard times. And so I took my essay about my dad and I did, a like, a storytelling event and got him on stage and told this very real similar story about my dad and, like, these moments of his life and what happened and the amount of people that came up to me afterwards and were like, hey, my dad sounds really similar to your dad. He was also, you know, really sweet but hard to communicate with. Or I also lost my dad and your story made me feel this way. Like, it just reminded me that, like, sharing things and, like, being vulnerable, like, creates this universality that, like, mm-hmm. we're all human. We're all just figuring it out. But also, like, we're not alone. Right. And when you feel dark or you're on the cusp of healing but you haven't, like, put your foot into it yet – it feels so lonely. Mm. And if we can just put ourselves out there or seek resources or hear someone else with a story that resonates, then you're like, oh, shit. Like, they made it to the other side. And, like, I can too. Or, like, 
oh shit, like you had a whole like crop top phase on your Instagram for a while yeah. where you were like, wear the crop top. <laughs> and that was like at the very time where I felt like my stomach had like blossomed bigger than before. And I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna wear the crop top. And like, it like helped me love my body. Yes. You know what I mean? So like you never know how like this little tiny small thing that you do that is just you trying to like heal yourself and speak your truth can have this huge impact on someone else, which can let them impact someone else. And, like, it's, like, this beautiful snowball effect. Right. That's that's kind of, like, the whole, like, personal journey that we're on, right? And yeah. in, in human design, like, some of us are on personal journeys and some of us are on transpersonal journeys. So there's kind of the kind of people out there that if they're having a bad day, you're like, hey, you should go, like, volunteer at a soup kitchen. That's going to make you feel better. Mm. And I would only tell that to the transpersonal okay. journey person. You're on a personal journey. So it's almost like everything that helps you heal is going to inherently help other people because every like, we're all going to impact the collective no matter what, right. no matter what kind of journey you are, you're on. But if you're on a personal journey, then it's like – it's more internal and it's more about your process and then you share it with the world and other people are like, hey, me too. That That's, that's yes. also a thing for me. So that's why that works so well for you. Which is so cool. Yeah. But again, it doesn't feel like that when you don't know these things or when right. you're just experiencing it. You just feel like, ah. Which is why everybody should do a human design reading with me. Yeah, really. Because <laughs> you sent me some notes and things and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, holy shit, yes. And like even that, it's like if I had had a human design reading to learn about myself before, I was like, oh yeah, 12 hour shifts, that sounds great. Right. If I had known more about myself, I would have known that that was setting myself up for disaster. Exactly. But I didn't. And so it is like, it's just just like the more you know but again like if you don't learn and I had read like my free intro to human design and yeah. I had like like I have the chart on my phone like you're looking at my chart and it means something to you mm-hmm. I look at my chart and I'm like uh, oh wait uh, yeah I'm a human <laughs> like <laughs> I know it looks very confusing but I'm a firm believer in that you don't find human design human design finds you yeah so it's like it will find you when you're ready for it, when you need it the most. So it's almost like you needed to go on this journey thus far, and then it found you at the right time. Yes. And now you're like, oh, I have, like, an instruction manual for my vehicle now. Yes. And I'm not going to be putting, like, diesel fuel in myself anymore. <laughs> like, I'm going to put that premium shit. But I'm also, like, <laughs> such a flitter because, like, I took a – like, I found this yoga teacher who was, like, super into astrology and did this whole thing. And so I, like, ended up doing a work trade thing with her – to like dive into some of her teachings and it was so great and I was learning how to read my like astrological chart and basically like I brought into my like relationship this like guilt of like my husband being the breadwinner and like me Mm. having a low self-worth and somewhere in my chart where my whatever house with the see I like I don't remember because I quit the class (laughs) Uh, but what I took from that was like wherever some planet landed it was like you're meant to be taken care of like that is like part of my Part of your journey. Yeah, yeah, part of my journey that I'm meant to be taken care of. And, like, that is, I bring a ton to the relationship. And from the get-go, my husband has always been like, dude, you do so much. You need to calm down. Yeah. But, like, fiscally, I don't do very much. And that's always been a huge issue for me personally. It was a shadow. And hearing that, like, you're meant to be taken care of. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Was, like, this freeing thing of just, like, okay, like, what if I just let him take care of me and I show up in these other ways? Like, what would that look like? And mm. it actually, like, freed me up to be so much better. And so I think that, like... We can arrive, we arrive to these different levels of teachings and like spirituality and whatever it is in the time that we really like need them. And some people go all in and I'm in awe of those people and other people take what they need and go. I took a yoga class the other day and I heard the girl at the front desk being like, I was doing some deep reading about the sacrum 
I'm like, dude, I've been teaching yoga for three years. I've never done some deep reading about the sacrum. Like, I don't care. Like, I know where it is, but, like, I'm never reading about it deeply and building a whole class about the sacrum. But, like, that's her, and yeah. that's so great for her. But, like, I pick what I need, and then I move on. And yeah. so, like, you know, yes, when human design finds you, great. And how much you dig into it, like, will I... Will I dive into it forever and be great? No, probably not. But I'll probably call you every six months. Right. Like, Teresa, I need some human design updates. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the cool thing about it, which at the end of the day, the most important thing about human design is your type and your authority. It's right. really cool to like dive into the details and be like, oh, you're here to have unique opinions and insights and you're here to share those insights with the world and da, 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 da. But at the end of the day, if you follow your type and your authority, the world is just going to lead you where you need to go. Right. And you're going to figure out all of this other stuff. It's like the yellow brick road. Yeah. So that's for those that are curious about it and it's you feel like such a beginner and it feels really intimidating. At the end of the day, if if it lights you up and it excites you to get the details and it just like makes you giddy, then fuck yeah, get a reading. But if you just follow your your strategy and your authority, you're going to do great. And for you, it's to inform. So like that's why I was laughing when you're like, I just put it out on Instagram that I quit my job. And that's literally all you have to do is tell people what you're doing. And they're like, oh, do you want this? And like opportunity (laughs) just like comes. And so that's why it's your strategy is to inform. Just keep people in the loop. Tell people what you're up to. Right. And life will just flow for you. Which again, though, feels so scary Mm -hmm. because like to go to parties, to do whatever, like it's much easier for me to be the wife that's just like, oh yeah, I work in a kitchen it's much more vulnerable to be like, oh, well, I quit my job and I think I'm going to write some. And, you know, like that definitely takes like courage and a strong spine. But yes, good things come from it. But there were times where like I knew I was going to share that post and then I was like, I shouldn't share the post. No one cares about this post. Like that would be a dumb thing to share. And like and those my- are always the best posts. <laughs> yeah. And like my in-laws are going to call and they're going to be like, I can quit her job again. And John's three friends from college who think I'm a gold digger are going to be like, we knew she couldn't hold a job. Like the only I, like, reason people ever think that stuff uh, about you is because of its shadow that you haven't integrated within yourself. Uh, so as soon as you integrate those shadow components, people yeah. aren't ever, if they do think about if. Their opinions right. are none of your business. Exactly. But if people are actually saying these things to you and you're fine, you're hearing it, it's showing up in your external world, it's because it's something you haven't integrated. Well, <laughs> still have work to do. But also then I shared it and I was like so glad that I did. And exactly. it was, you know, so many good things came from it. And I think that they always do. But then that also goes back to like why why we share and what we do and going back to that Instagram world is like I'm never sharing a photo because like I want to look hot. And if I do, I would be gravely disappointed because, like, that's not the audience that I have mm-hmm. or, like, the world that I've built around myself. But, like, when I'm sharing because I really just want to, like, share and connect, like, it's so well received. And so yes. I think, like, yes, your that's intentions why, and, like, what you need are such a big deal. And that's why it's your strategy. <sighs> it's a strategy in life. Just fucking let people know what you're doing. Yes. Inform them. Well, and then, so your authority, which it... So it's called your inner authority in human design, which is really the way that we connect to our intuition. And for you, it's to wait and wait for clarity because you're emotional authority. Mm. So you can probably resonate with this, though. When you're you're emotional, you can't make a decision, especially a big decision, right? So it's kind of like when you're emotional authority, it's the universe's way of telling you to wait for divine timing because it's going to, like, correct you, right? right? If, if the universe is conspiring over here and it's like, wait, Megan, don't make a decision yet. We're working on something else over here. Right. Like, we're still in the kitchen cooking. <laughs> if you're feeling super emotional, you're like, I can't make a decision now. I have to wait. That, that part where you're like, I have to wait is the universe like... 
thank God we have some more time. We're getting this shit figured right. out. And then herein comes the thing right. that you're waiting for. Right. So it's 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 almost like it feels like a fog has lifted and you just know what the right decision yes. is to do. Which I'm sure is that how you felt when you quit your job? It yeah. was just like a hundred percent. Yeah. And there were pieces of me that was like, but but they believe in me, but I could not, but I could whatever. And it was like, no, like this is what is right, and you know that. But it is, and that's that whole thing about trust, right? It's just trusting and like trusting and trusting because when you don't you can spiral so fast and that's very much where I was but like when you trust like good things come and I think so that's like now when I was very single I was very single for a very long time and it was dark and all I wanted was like my fairy tale and I would hear other people's love stories and be like oh okay and then I got into a place where I was like well however it happened for them it can't happen for me Mm. so if like if Sally met her boo at the grocery store like grocery stores are out and like all these dumb things and like then it's so interesting because at the end of the day it that should inspire you it like was equal parts inspiring and depressing because it was like I was like crossing off potential lists Um, but I also was just like okay yeah one day this will happen and then like the pessimist was like I'm gonna die alone for sure Mm. um but now it's like well one like I landed with my own beautiful fairy tale that like very much does inspire other random people which is super cute but then two now I'm trying to apply that same optimism to my career right it's like some people graduated high school and knew exactly what they were doing and some people fell right into this right thing and they met all the right people or someone's dad knew someone and blah 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 and like those are all their stories but like I just have to wait and hope and keep my head down and be a good human and like that like career fairy tale is also going to happen for me of course and like but we I don't know we just it's hard to maintain that optimism and trust whenever you're not getting what you want so Mm. people in their 40s who are still single are having a really hard time with their relationship vibe but they might be crazy successful in their career and it's like you know, but how do we just like maintain that hope and that trust and work with who we are and do all of our healing and then like believe that those pieces are going to like, the universe has got you, like something is happening. And then I love those stories about how like JK Rowling was like a nobody and then she was the author of Harry Potter, you know, like, but I think we're just of that generation where I'm like, um, I'm 31 guys. Like Like, time's a ticking. What are we doing here? It's not like you're truly never out of time, but that's part of your karma is learning that. So that's why. Keeps showing up for you is because it's like the universe is like, yo, girl, chill, yeah, wait, just just chill out. No, like okay. I can't chill out. I can't. <laughs> just looking at that ticking clock, and it's like for everything, like for everything. I dyed my hair and I don't like the color, and I'm like, well, how many days has it been before I won't make my hair fall off if I get it redyed again? And like everything comes down <laughs> to this like stupid schedule. And I'm like, oh my god, this is bananas. You need to calm down. Well, and you know, a lot of spiritual teachers will say that love and money is and love and career is very related. So, I mean, you got one down. So got one down. Nailed it. I mean, well, let's go into that then. How did you manifest John? Well, Which, if he it. listens to this, I don't know if he'll be like, I manifested her. But. Maybe. I don't know. I nailed it. So, I don't... Yeah, it was like... It, can you, like, anti-manifest? Can you right? be working so opposite towards something? So <laughs> yes, I, you can. Uh, I felt like I had just, like, done... I dated everyone. I had done everything. And I was just like, America is the issue, right? Like, it's America's fault that my resume sucks. It's America's fault that I can't meet a man. Like, this country has ruined things for me, and I'm going to run away. And so I signed up for a yoga teacher training. I was working at, like, a beer bar. I signed up for a yoga teacher training, and I was like, eventually, like, I'll quit, and I will travel, and I will use my yoga teacher training to, like, fund my beach and booze vacation. Like, maybe, like... (laughs) The dream. Yeah, you know, there's, like, what's that song? It's a song that John loves, but it's, like, about how, like, 
your dream girl must be living in Tahiti or something. Cage the Elephant, like, recently covered it. It's mm. like, I'll, I'll search the whole wide world, like, just for the person that loves you. So this is my plan. And um, I worked at a beer bar, and I was going to quit eventually. And, like, one night a regular came in, and he was complaining. He always was complaining. He was very old, didn't have a lot of money, and just was, like, always complaining and seeing what he could get for free. And he was, like, pissed that we didn't have a jukebox. And I made some comment about how, like, dude, like, you can barely pay for your beer. Like, why are you going to pour coins into a jukebox? And I, like, wasn't trying to be mean. I see from your face that that was a rude thing to say. And that was how it went over. People were pissed at me. And, again, I think I was just – it was my – it was the way of, like, them forcing me out. Like, it was the universe being, like, I'm going to help you misstep here so that you get out because, like, your time here is done. But in my head, it was very logical. Like, dude, if you're always trying to get a $4 beer for free, like, why are you going to pour $4 into a jukebox? Like, calm down. But it's fine. So it's fine. <laughs> Everyone got super mad. They were like, you can be such a bitch sometimes. Like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, there's my, like, tongue. Like, I'm trying to be funny. And it did not pan out. Whatever. So I go and I quit. I'm like, all right, here's my two weeks. Like, clearly this was a sign. This is not my place anymore. I got to go. I'll figure it out. I'll sell my car. I'll be fine. I got to go. I'm crying in the office, like, talking to the manager girl about me leaving. And I walk back out and need to greet a table. And it was like, there were these regulars that came in that, like, worked at the LA Fitness nearby. And so it was them, and they had brought friends from boot camp. And my hus- my future husband was sitting at the table. And I guess, like, they had changed after boot camp or whatever because he was in this pretty pastel Ralph Lauren polo <laughs> and, like, some cute little shorts, just, like, the preppiest, kindest, like, perfect little buzz cut hair situation. <laughs> and um, he was at the table. And, like, I, my face was literally still wet from tears. And um, he was like, oh, have you tried this beer yet? And I was like, no, I haven't. And he's like, you should try it. And, like, at that job, we were allowed to, like, go taste beers. So I went in behind the bar, and I tasted the beer, and it was awful. Like, I spit it out. It was so bad, and I could hear him laughing. And I was like, what? And he's like, right, it's a good brewery, and they make a terrible beer. And I was like, are you kidding me? And so then we, like, kept talking, and he was like, I'll be back. Like, it was so great to meet you. And, like, you've worked at a bar. When you work yeah. at a bar, they're always coming back, and they yeah. never come back. Like, you're just the pretty girl of the moment. But I had told the table because I knew then that I put in my two weeks. And he was literally there every shift that I worked for the next two weeks. But, like, he was cool about it. Like, I was ignorant and he was cool. Mm-hmm. And so he would just be like, oh, yeah, we just came. I brought my buddy. We just came in. Like, you get off at 10? Cool. You should sit down and have a beer with us. And, like, slowly just, like. Working his way in. Working his way in. And then, like, we hung out with the regulars, like, for a hot minute. And um, so we did, like, group hangs. And then it was, like, through a group text that he got my number. And was like, oh, oh, oh that that number? Was that your number? And then, like. One night when we were at a group hang, I was, like, saying something about, like, how I need to get my oil changed or whatever. And so he sent me a separate text message, like, that night or something. I was like, hey, like, I remember you saying you need to take your car in. Do you need a ride? I had literally already <laughs> forgot that I was supposed to get my oil changed. Like, a responsibility and me, like, we're not working. No. And really, I was you like, need him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I do have to get an oil change. Like, shit. And that is literally, like, how our entire, like, relationship went. was just like, oh, I remember that you need this functional thing. But, like, in the meantime, he was also just, like, the kindest, most loving, most, like, like, he saw me in a way that I 0% saw me. Mm-hmm. And um, because I had quit my job and planned things, I'd already booked a trip to Panama. Like, I thought Panama was where I wanted to move. And so I t- booked a three-week trip. And my goal was to, like, backpack through all of Panama and, like, find, like, the beach I was going to retire to. And then I would come home, sell my shit, and like, move there. And the day that I left for Panama, 
he took me to the airport and I like wrote him a note and like hid it in his bed and it was like how I told him that I loved him. Oh, it was so gross and so cute. And I so got to gross. the airport and I got this text and it was like I love you too. And I was like what? And then I was like oh shit, like we're in this, like this is real. And so then this trip that was supposed to be my like freedom and my like break from America really was like oh do I have Wi-Fi? Am I gonna be able to talk to him? Like, oh my god! And it was the hardest three weeks. He tried to like come and visit, but like the flight just didn't make sense and like and literally after that like we were never separate again like we that happened probably like three months in and then I mean we were married we were engaged we met in June we were married we were engaged in February we were married in September oh my god people were making bets they're like this isn't gonna work the like shitty people were like he's a gold digger my legit my uncle was sitting at the wedding like I can't believe she found someone with all her quirks that would love her and meanwhile like he like encourages all the quirks he's yes. like paint the things do the things like be the funkiest version of yourself because like that's he, what we all um, dream of yeah right? like he loved me so fully and so it wasn't until I guess like 2018 maybe that was like my quote new year's resolution was like to start seeing myself the way that he saw me because mm. like he saw me and like he got it even when I didn't at all get it and like slowly it has just helped build us into a really great thing because like I I encourage him to be more whimsy and to be more silly because he's yeah. just a little more like regimented, but he just lets me be me and has never ever once like questioned that. I love even it. though like I spend my whole life questioning that, right? I'm yeah. like, I wanna be funky and then I'm like, is it too funky? Did I over funky? <laughs> Can I even pull this off? Should I be more normal? And he's like, You're amazing, calm down. I'm like did I overfunk? <laughs> I am prone to an overfunk. I don't know if you can. Though. I like, had on beaded white hoops before you got here, and I was like, nope, can't pull these off. Why'd you buy them? Take them out, put in some studs. Like, at least you know. You gotta try the thing, but. But also, other people are pulling off hoops so easily. Yeah. And like, maybe I could be a hoop girl. I but mean, you, I might can't. Be, you might be judging too quick. Maybe. I, I don't know. I could see the hoops. I, did, I don't know. Then I fall back on Khloe Kardashian. I'm like, the bigger the hoop, the bigger the hoe. And I'm like, well. <laughs> No hoops for me then. I mean, I love a good hoe though. I do. And I love a good Kardashian, which is like, you know, you got to also embrace all the aspects of yourself because as a yoga teacher and a whatever human, we I all shouldn't have a love the Kardashians, but damn it, I'm not missing an episode, you know? Like well, you got to embrace your vibes. I love it. You just got to be you. Whatever those vibes are, I'm going to outgrow them one day. Well, I feel like we all have an inner Kardashian. <laughs> that's what that's what parts work is all about. It's all like Yes. If anything is showing up yes. in your external world, you have it inside of you. So like you know, we all have an inner hoe. We all have an inner Kardashian. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, what do we do with them? Yeah, you I know? love it. And who do we let win? Uh, we, we give them all a voice, but I don't know if any... Uh, Somebody has to win, I guess, somebody at some has point. To win. And I'm not letting somebody my Kardashian to drive the win. boat. Yeah. I'm gonna let somebody else drive the let boat. Let the Kardashian be sunning herself on the back deck. Yeah, she can help me with my hoops and my bikinis. <laughs> yes. But the rest of it I'm gonna let some other part handle. Yes. So what was it like before you met John in terms of your love life? Like did was John like a totally new type of relationship yes. for you? Like you've never experienced any relationship like that? He's so kind. Mm. No one was kind. Like we repeat our trauma, right? So yeah. like I don't know, my parents were very unhappy. Like my mom was leaving my dad and then she found out she was pregnant. So my sister's twelve years older. I was happily told my whole life that I was the mistake baby. And uh, that was the thing that made her stay in her marriage, which, huh. like, that, don't tell your kids that. Yeah. Um, but um, so they didn't like each other. And so my mom is very, like, strong and domineering. There's a lot of admirable things. Like, she just, you know, powers through and, like, does stuff. And then my dad is, like, 
sweet and doting, but very stubborn with a quick temper. And so they were just at odds all the time. And when I started to date, which also started very early because my sister's 12 years older, right? Like she was having boys sleep over when I was young and mm. we always were watching like romantic comedies and like I couldn't wait to like be romantic. Um, so I started dating way too early and I was a bitch to everyone. Mm. But I thought that's what you did. I thought you got married so you could boss your husband around like because that's what I witnessed and I was like horrible. I could reel in these dudes but then I like repelled them with my low self-worth and my bossy tendencies and mm. it like was this very real like cycle um of just and also like hugely codependent I didn't even know what that word meant because I was like I'm a strong independent female but also like I had watched my mom for so many years trying to fix my dad into someone that she actually wanted to be married to that then I dated these dudes with like quote potential and tried to change them into my perfect dream man and it always ended terribly obviously it was a lot of work and turmoil and also me putting all of that energy into them and I was never looking at myself right who really needed plenty of work done um and so John was everything different I had done a lot of work on myself before I met him but also like he took zero percent of my shit he Mm. was just like "Mm, no oh even today he'll be like I don't love your tone (laughs) and like that's where the conversation pauses until I like rewind and like reframe something like he's just having zero percent of me being a brat like (laughs) Not okay. I don't love your tone. That's such a nice way to, like, it's very tell somebody nice, they're being a bitch. But also, like, that's the meanest he's ever been. So, like, for him to be like, I don't love your tone, you're just like, oh, my gosh, John. Like, <laughs> ease me into it, buddy. And he's like, mm. And, like, when I apologize, you know, like, when you apologize to someone, they're like, no, it's okay. When I apologize, he says, thank you. Like, I could totally see him doing like that. Like, he really deserves the apology, which makes him feel so much worse because you're like, maybe I was just apologizing because I was trying to move this along, right? Like, apologizing is what I was supposed to do, but he's thanking you for it, which means, like, he needed that apology and, oh, like, yeah. you fucking owed it to him. And so it's, he's an amazing human because he has made me a better human in that, like, he will love me. He will never fall into my insecurities. He will never tell me that I'm not allowed to have the feelings that I have. Like, he fully allows me to be who I am. But if that's coming at him in a way that is not justified, he is shutting it down immediately, which is phenomenal. Like, it is exactly the partner that I need, and it has made me a better human. And has also made me a better communicator in the workplace and in friendships and in whatever, because, like, when you're so charged with emotion, like, I grew up in a verbal vomit vibes, right? Mm. Like, I've got all this inside of me, and I'm just going to chuck it onto you, and you can deal with it. And he's like, mm, no, you're not. So it forces you to, like, work through your stuff before you give it to anybody else. And it's made me such a more successful communicator in a professional way, in a in a family way, like, literally with everyone, to just be able to be like, okay, what do I actually want to say? How am I feeling and why? And then, like, how much of this is on me? And what do I need to communicate to this other person without just, like, shitting on them? Because nobody needs that. Wow. I love that. And that's why relationships are such good mirrors for us. Right? It's, like, it stirs all your shit up. So you have to work through it. Especially when you're with somebody you deeply care for and love. Because you're, like, I can't just leave. Right. (laughs) I got to fix this. Yes. (laughs) And, like, and I don't. And we take our shit with us wherever. So, like, when we were really early married, there was, like, something. So, my dad ended up passing away, like, right before the wedding, which was just, like, bringing so much heaviness Mm. into, like, this this new marriage, right? Because you have ideas of what marriage is going to be, but, like, you don't plan to bring grief into it. That's a very heavy thing to deal with. And I remember, like, 
we had just bought a house and we were like in this and I just wasn't okay and I remember like sitting there and just being like I need more from you and him being like I'm literally giving you all that I have Mm -hmm. and I thought like that was the literally only time in this whole thing where I was like maybe I made a mistake like maybe this wasn't right like what if everyone else was right and like what if I married the wrong person and it was too soon and blah 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 blah. but what I realized was that I was expecting him to do everything like I wasn't taking care of myself I wasn't hydrating myself I wasn't exercising I wasn't talking to friends I wasn't getting out like all the things that make you a whole well-rounded person I wasn't doing any of them Mm. I was just leaning into this person who vowed to love me forever and like yes he vowed to love me forever but like that doesn't mean that he can give 200 and I get to give zero it's like and, and so if I had listened to that and, like, left, which I came and it would never happen, but, like, had I done that, I would have just carried that shit to somebody else. Like, I never, ever, ever would have been happy, and I honestly would have left behind, like, my perfect match because I just wasn't taking care of myself. Well, I think people leave relationships too early sometimes yeah. because they're not willing to get uncomfortable and to look at themselves. Because yes. you're just like, oh, this person isn't making me feel good anymore, and it's their job to make me feel good. Yes. And when you have that mentality in a relationship, that relationship is going to go down the shitter like, totally. pretty quickly because it's actually not their job to make you feel good. No, you <laughs> have to d- do the work too. And mm-hmm. I remember I had one functional married friend in my life who was such like a, a blessing because she had had some grief in her marriage, and then they'd had kids. And she talked to me about, like, being able to sit down with her partner one day and just being like, neither of us has anything to give right now. Like, they were both just Mm -hmm. surviving, and they had literally nothing to give each other, but they knew that they would get through it. And that idea that, like, sometimes, yes, sometimes I'm going to be weak, and you're going to be strong, and that's going to help. And sometimes I'm going to be strong, and you're going to be weak. But sometimes we're just both going to be weak, and, like, we just have to know that, like, we're going to get to that next step and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you leave. Yeah. Because, like, sometimes life is just hard and sometimes we're just both going to be drained. Mm-hmm. But, like, having someone to sit next to you when you're drained and just numb out with and move on, like, that's okay. And I think that helped me hold on. And then I just started doing things that made me feel good slowly. And then I was like, oh, shit. Like, he was actually showing up and being such a great partner at that time. I was just so broken and so unwilling to take responsibility for myself that, like, I put it on him when it was 0%, like, his bad, you know? Yeah, and why at that time do you think you were broken? Um, I think just, like, I think, you know, you have expectations. So this is always, like, expectations versus reality. I think, like, we both come from pretty small families, um, and we are very different than our immediate families, and so... I think I kind of thought that, like, getting married would mean that, like, I married into this whole new family who was, like, so excited to have me and, like, everything was going to be great. And so, like, then, like, his family wasn't really stoked, like, on me or on our wedding. And, like, I was in so much pain when we got married that I wasn't necessarily, like, the gracious host of a wife and bride that I intended to be. I definitely had some breakdowns and I definitely showed some human characteristics And they're more of, like, a paint on the smile and get it done kind of thing. Mm. So, like, seeing the raw aspects of me was a huge turnoff for them. Not to mention that I'd only known their son, however, 16 months when we were getting married and stuff. So, I think, like, we felt from afar his family's, like, disapproval. And then, like, I just had a lot of, like, grief and upheaval from what was going on with my family. And then, like, we were together. But, like, it didn't feel sunshiny and then we had just bought this house and moved into it which is like a crazy other stressful event so like death marriage moving are like some of the most stressful events and we put them all within like a couple months of each other that's the name of your book 
Death marriage. Death movie. marriage movie. I kind of love that actually. <laughs> I kind of love it too. Check it out. Twenty twenty one. Book will be coming. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So like it wasn't good. Yeah. And it wasn't pretty, and it wasn't hot. And I thought marriage was gonna be hot and pretty and fun and great. And like it was. I thought it was gonna things. be like a Paris Hilton vibe. Yeah. <laughs> she was my senior quote. Like I quoted Paris Hilton. I used to sleep with her autobiography next to my bed. No. Yeah. <laughs> What quote? Uh, like, no matter where you go, like, always look cute and never be boring. Or it was, like, something like that. Like, if you Googled that, that would get you the actual quote. But, that is valid. Which also is still kind of my life vibe. Yeah. Like, don't be boring and always look cute. That's not terrible like, advice. I mean, I go to Sprouts looking very not cute, but that's really the only place. Um, and maybe not always look cute, but, right. like, when you yeah. feel like it look yeah. cute. When you want to, look yeah. cute and don't be boring. And I love the don't be boring vibe. But um, also, like, now I have better role models. But... <laughs> but She's a good starter. I just, like, very much grew up, like, I just want to be cool. Yeah. And, like, now, now I actually think that I am cool because I don't want to be cool. Isn't that That's so, how it works, That's right? how it works, Like, yeah. everybody, and that's, like, like, music, like, everyone that's cool is actually just, like, so self-deprecating and has, yes. like, zero interest in being cool, and, like, that's the vibe. But, like, growing up, I was just, like, I just want to be cool. I want to be cool, and I want to be hot, and I want to be loved, and, like, trying to be cool, hot, and loved is a very real way to not be cool, hot, or loved. Like, yeah. It's, it's pretty much a repellent for all of those things exactly I think that's a lesson that we can all learn <laughs> but that's like the teenage yeah scenario right and there. if you don't I loved I was listening to your podcast with John and like you guys talked about like getting stuck at like the age of trauma or like whatever yes. else and it's like so real and so true and so I think for a long time like my parents got divorced and life got very traumatic in that like very much like high school age. So I think for a long time I was just like stuck in that like high school vibe of like mm. I just want to be young and cool and hot and whatever. And like that's very unattractive when you're 27. Like that's not you that's not the what we're going for. You have to grow. Yeah. But if you're not paying attention to like your shit, you don't grow and then you just get stuck in that. And so it's like, okay, let's just, let's unpack that. Let's unpeel her a little bit. Like, yes. At your root, you can still love a good Paris Hilton quote, but let's move on. Right. It's so interesting how people like think they need to be the person they were in high school or they have this like mentality of like, well, that's who I am. And it's like, no, it's like 15 years later. That's actually not who you are anymore. Like, yeah. Let's like, reevaluate it's, it's, it's it, honey. It's tough if that's who, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And really, I think about that girl, and I'm like, damn, if she could meet me, she'd be so proud, and she'd be so stoked, yeah. and she'd actually be like, oh, you're way, you're way cooler than I thought you were going to be, <laughs> but, like, not in any of the ways that you were trying to be. Like, no, I don't have 2,000 Instagram followers, and I'm not, I don't know, whatever, but, like... Whatever you thought you wanted. I, I don't have Louboutins, and I don't <laughs> this and that, but, like, I'm a fucking yoga teacher, and, like, I know great people, and I get to be on a podcast, and, like, there are all these, like, really great things that I think are so much more valid. Yeah. But it's, like, how do we choose to evaluate ourselves and our yeah. life and our journey? I love that. How has, I mean, just because I'm a new yogi, <laughs> I've been doing it since, I don't know, November now? Nice. So I do the Ashtanga practice. Yes! That, that was my gateway. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, it is definitely a gateway drug. It's, it's a gateway. Especially also, when you it'll have, get you in great shape. Uh, I mean, it's it's addicting, yes. for one. And number two, I just really like my teacher. And nice. it's one of those things where I'm like, I notice that the days that I do it, I am so, I'm just a better person. Yep. Like, I just, people yes. don't fuck around with that. Like, I understand the yes. yoga addiction. Yes. And the out-of-body experience yes. that you can have when you're taking rest at the end of yoga I'm just like am I floating over the city it's the best meditation you'll get it really is yeah. it truly is so how has yoga been a tool that's helped you Ooh. like people who are close to me can tell when I'm 
addicted to my practice and when I've stepped away from my practice, like, because I am a different person, right? And I think, like, when you fall into anxiety or depression or just any self-deprecating habits, it's really, you don't want to do the very things you know make you feel better. So when I'm at the height of anxiety or depression, I don't practice yoga. Mm -hmm. And that only keeps me in a worse state. And, like, literally people notice because I'm, like, shitty. Like, have you been doing yoga? Yeah. How's your practice? I'm like, I haven't been in 28 days. They're like, yeah, we can tell. Call us after a practice. Okay. Um, But I think... I think, like, I had anxiety before I knew what anxiety was, like, Mm. right? So I graduated high school in 2007. I just don't feel like the conversation was as loud back then about anxiety. And I went to LA Fitness, and I hopped into a yoga class. And he was, like, a looking back now, he's probably, like, a kundalini guy because he had, like, the white, all-white clothes and, like, thing on his head. But he also played, like, dashboard confessionals in his class. And Mm. I was, like, where am I? (laughs) And it was weird and my body was awkward and whatever. But then we got to the very end for Shavasana and it was the first time my brain was ever quiet. Like there were no thoughts. And I was like, oh, there's something here. Mm -hmm. And so that like kept me coming back again with my like sometimes dedicated, sometimes not dedicated. But I always kept coming back. And I always felt like and when you take yoga teacher training, they very much tell you that you cannot call yoga therapy. Like yoga is not therapy. But like for me, yoga is therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's. It's me not having to talk, but it's me getting into those emotions. It's me working through things. It's me finding all those metaphors. And a great teacher will tell you all the metaphors. Less so in Ashtanga because that's just not quite as much their vibe. But, you know, getting comfortable in the uncomfortable. Uh, Like paying attention to where your mind goes on your mat because that's where your mind goes out of your mat. Paying Mm -hmm. attention to the things that piss you off about the people around you in practice because that's the same thing that bothers you. But those are those mirrors again. And so, like, all of those things – taking those and blowing them up in real time and in real life has been so life-changing for me like yeah there are poses that I sit through that are deeply uncomfortable but guess what like so I was going to visit my in-laws so like (laughs) if I can get really comfortable in a half split pose where my legs are on fire then when I'm at dinner and my in-laws are saying passive aggressive comments to me I'm just like okay yeah no I'm just gonna breathe through this you know like I know that I can make it to the other side and I think that's like really beautiful and then being able to teach yoga this last year was the first year where I like I taught two years at the same place and people brought me like Christmas gifts which is completely unnecessary but so so kind and I have these three students who are in their 80s and this one brought me a card with a a crisp 20 in it which was like the most grandma thing right that like you've ever seen but she also wrote like thank you for contributing to my good health and I was like oh like I'm impacting these people and like it doesn't have to be in the way that I intend it but like they're getting something from me and I'm getting something from them. And it's this like exchange. And I think that when you have a teacher that you like, or you even just have this two minutes of like peace that you couldn't have gotten by yourself, that gives you this respect for this other human. And so it's like this beautiful exchange of just like time and energy and love, even in the most mundane, right? Like I teach at LA Fitness, like not a gr- not a great yogi vibe there, but like we're still able to have this like exchange of energy and growth. And so like, I tell everyone like do yoga like you don't you don't have to love yoga you don't have to do it every day but like just connecting to your breath mm-hmm. and remembering that your breath is there for you because so many of us spend life like on near hyperventilation yeah and so like if we just learn that like 
you know, you can take a deep breath. I literally used to go into the bathroom in the kitchen job and like do a forward fold and take three <laughs> deep breaths. And like, that's a ridiculous and seemingly sometimes gross thing to do in the bathroom, honestly, <laughs> depending on who's been in there before you. Yeah. But like, just remembering that like, oh my gosh, I can breathe. And like, I have this beautiful body and like, I can find gratitude for that. Can like yeah. pull you out of some dark holes that you can just like pop into pretty easily in this modern day world. I love that. What advice would you give to the person that maybe is curious about yoga, but is like really in their head about it and is like, I'm not flexible and da 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 and has all the excuses in the book. Someone told me once that saying like you can't go to yoga because you're not flexible is like saying you can't take a shower because you're dirty. Yeah. Like if you aren't flexible, like you receive more benefits from yoga than literally anyone. But also like it's not about flexibility. Like if you breathe, you're doing yoga. And if you show up and like get to feel good for even one second, then like it's completely worth the time, you know? And there's so many different branches of yoga that like I took a hot yoga class last night. It was 104 degrees. I literally had visions of me passing out. Like, yeah, fuck that. Not my jam. <laughs> not, not my jam. My yeah. jam not where I need to be. Felt real gross. Won't go back. Yeah. But like, find the thing that works for you. I love Ashtanga, but Ashtanga is the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. So my like ADD, whimsy, whatever, I can't do it all the time. Like, it, yeah. I, I need to pop in and then I got to go somewhere else. So it's just like, it's just like anything else. Like, find the thing that resonates for you, but it's so good for your body and it's so good to add into your routine, whatever. You can still be a runner. You can still be a weightlifter. You can be anything and also practice yoga, but like, yoga is going to make you be a more in touch with yourself, like, better human being. So, yeah. why not spend one hour, even if it's one hour a month, like, just hop on and try for watch sure. a youtube video if you don't want to leave the house that's the thing i love about it. it's so accessible all yes. you don't even like i mean at most you need a mat but at the end of the day you could do it on carpeting it's you don't yeah. even need anything and you can just do it and i think for me like i had I, this is weird thing in the fitness world where it's like yoga versus pilates mm, yeah. and even my pilates friends they're like almost have this like vendetta against yoga and then yoga has this weird thing against pilates and i'm like can we all just be friends right and so that's kind of like what I'm trying to bridge is like I tell all my Pilates clients like I do yoga I'm, yeah. a, I'm a total advocate for yoga I think it's a freaking great practice but I'm the kind of person that has a really busy mind so it's challenging for me just to I mean we all do right but like it, it's hard for me to just like sit and meditate mm-hmm. moving my body in a meditation yes. is much more like accessible for me so that's part of the benefit I've gotten and for like it. that's the thing is like in the in the OG days it was not about the the movements, mm-hmm. the asanas, it was like you did that. So then you could sit down and meditate for eight hours. Yeah. Which like literally none of us are doing. Right. Great if you are. <laughs> I probably could with all the Hulu I watch, but I don't. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, if you just get those two minutes, that might be the only meditation you get. Mm-hmm. But like you get it and you get into it. And like, so it's just kind of, yeah, it's diving into whatever piece you want, but also just like trusting yourself and learning to love yourself. I did take hot yoga for a little while and I like was so hot that I would wear just a sports bra and like pants. And again, we talked about my belly. It's not my favorite part of my body, but spending that time in the mirror with my belly, like now I'm like, yeah, girl, you wear a sports bra whenever you want. So you never know like how that time on your mat is going to like impact your life or your brain or help you work through whatever you're going through. And I think the yoga versus Pilates, because I was very much like anti-Pilates pro yoga and then like got into some Pilates with you guys. And like, I think what it helps me realize is that like nothing is absolute, right? 
sometimes in Pilates, you guys will cue and inhale when I would cue and exhale in a yoga practice. But, yeah. like, that tells me that whether you inhale or exhale, just do the move. You're going to be fine. Yeah, like, you're going to be okay. <laughs> and I like that because we can get so in our heads. Even as a teacher, I'll go take other people's classes and be like, oh, we should have done this on an exhale. <laughs> and it's like, oh, as long as we're breathing and moving, like, we're bettering ourselves. And so we don't have to be so tied to everything. And I think in this, like, age, too, we like to get so attached to, like, oh, we have to only eat kale and no one can have romaine. And it's like, well, sometimes, like, I just want romaine. So, right. like, let me have it. Sometimes I just want to exhale when I bend over. Like, it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. And so it's. It's the whole, it's the whole circle. And as long as you're doing something that feels good for you, like you're living your best life. I love it. Yeah. The, my friend that got me into Ashtanga was like, I think I texted her one day and was like, do you ever just have like a terrible practice where it feels awful and you're like, you're just doing everything wrong. And she's like, yeah, uh, some days I would just show up and literally lay and cry on my yeah. mat and it's still a practice. It yes. still counts. And I'm like, okay, the bar is real low now. Yes. <laughs> so I love And that. how freeing is that? Like the days when I go and I'm like, you don't have to do anything. You just have to show up yeah. are honestly the days that I like kick the most ass. And the days when I'm like, I'm going to rock it <laughs> are the days that I'm like, I'm just going to lay here and cry. Yes. But it's that relationship with yourself and it's that whole just like you just showed up and like some days you you rock it and some days you don't I always tell people that in balancing poses too like some days you are rooted like an old oak tree and some days you are just in the middle of a monsoon and like it doesn't matter and that can be thrown off by a rude email that you received or a glass of wine you had last night or whatever but like you're working it out and you're also prepping for your future like to me we don't stand on one leg for Instagram like we stand on one leg so that when I'm hiking with my dog and I roll my ankle, I catch myself. I don't mm -hmm. break my foot in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Like, so that when I'm 80, I work on my core in yoga so that when I'm 80 and I'm picking something up off the ground, I don't throw out my back. Like yeah. at the end of the day, we all just want to be here and we want to grace the world with our goodness for as long as possible. And so if we can stay, you know, breathing and comfortable in the meantime, that's that's yeah. the point of the practice yeah and it's such a metaphor for life it really is <laughs> everything that shows up in your yoga practice shows up in your life at some point and it's yeah it's a mirror it's all just information yes like that's what my teacher says she's like it's not about the poses it's about the information you yes. get from the poses and i'm like <gasps> but it's so that's such a heavy thing to be able to tell people the other day this woman came in late as she always does set herself up in the back of the class as she likes to halfway through the class she drags herself and her mat to the front row you can see people visibly getting mad because, like, that's just rude. Also, mm. we're in the middle of something. You're skipping. Like, what are you doing? And at the end of the class, she comes up. She's like, sorry that I moved. This guy next to me was just huffing and puffing. It was driving me nuts, so I had to move. <laughs> and I was like, well, I hear that he was disrupting your practice. You, in turn, disrupted everybody's practice by moving. So just try to pick a spot you're happy with. But in my head, I'm like, you should have stayed and worked through that because, right. like, that's your shit right there. That's and your like, shit. Yes. You need to work through that. Like, you're the woman who goes to a movie and has the movie ruined because the person next to you, like, chewed their popcorn too loud. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, that's annoying. But, like, you're watching a very loud movie. You would be fine. Like, it's what you choose to tune into. But instead, you decided to disservice everyone else for your own personal issue. Like, work through it. Or the yeah. people that, like, leave during Shavasana. And I'll even say, like, those of you who can't hang for a three-minute Shavasana need shavasana the most like yes. you can't spend three minutes with yourselves learn to spend three minutes with yourself oh, shavasana is like, my favorite i don't understand how people can skip out oh on people it. will tap their fingers people will roll their eyes people will put on their shoes during it like people will look for any excuse not to spend that time with themselves oh my god but it's hard to be alone with yourself especially yeah. if you're avoiding you know the work the healing and so like it's so funny because as a teacher you see so much of that and as a healer you're aware like you see so much of the things that people aren't quite aware of in themselves and it's like 
how much of that can you share and Mm -hmm. how much of that do you just have to like wait and watch them grow into because I'm sure I was the same on my mat you know I bring all my shit to class and teachers watch me and think oh you think you're rocking it your ego's gonna give you a doozy one day and it does it sure does but yeah well do you have any other advice that you would give to maybe the person that is trying to embark on the healing journey or trying to figure out the fuck to do with their lives or trying to find their partner. I don't know anything that comes to mind. Oh my gosh, just do it. Just do all of it. Do everything that feels right and do nothing that feels wrong. Once it feels wrong, you got to do all the wrong things too. But it's just like, you know, put your toe. That's my method. Like put your toe into things and see how the water feels and then decide whether or not you want to swim in it. Because when we swim in the pools that feel wrong, you know, there's lessons there, but we can sometimes save ourselves a lot of pain if we just listen. Just trust that intuition. Don't burn the dates. Don't and, burn the dates. And keep trying. That could be another book title. Yes. <laughs> That'll be the collection of essays. Yes. Wait, what was the other one? Um, something. Marriage, yeah. moving. We're going to have to listen to this. Marriage, death. death, marriage, moving. <laughs> yes. Yes. So check out all those books once yeah. they come out. But yeah, just keep trying and just keep growing because like, I think that vulnerability is so fucking sexy Mm -hmm. and I think it's so empowering and it's so, it feels isolating to put yourself out there, but it's actually the thing that connects all of us. And so like when we can be vulnerable and we can go into the nitty gritty details and we can just show up and share ourselves, we actually help more people than we would ever know. So keep showing up. I love it. And keep listening to this podcast because it's so good. Yeah. I listen to it when I hike. It's very good hiking material. Oh, yes. I love that. I just always want to be in your ears. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a wrap. That was Megan Saul. And, you know, her energy is truly contagious. So if you want to follow along with her journey to writing a novel and being an author, please go follow her on Instagram. Her information is in the show notes. She truly is a prolific writer, even if it's just an Instagram post. So it's worth the follow. And she's an amazing yoga teacher. So if you are local to Phoenix and you want to take a class, then definitely hit her up. Additionally, if you are interested in having a human design reading with me, you could see how much it helped Megan understand herself then please visit howtobealion.com slash human design and all my pricing and offerings are there. I would love to work with you. What I do is a written report and then we actually hop on a call and do a reading. So you don't have to be local to Phoenix to have this. You just need your exact birth time, birth information, like um, your place and your date. (laughs) So pretty simple. Thank you so much for listening. I'm trying to put out new podcasts every Friday, so it kind of just rolls you into the weekend. And I am so enjoying this and look forward to putting out some more. So have a wonderful weekend. Bye.